The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Those of you listening to the show for a long time know four welcomes means we have four people on the panelists. That panel, that is right. We have so many experts on this topic. We want to make sure we include everyone. Our topic today, CHROs. Time for a new conversation? We think the answer is yes. Let me get started. The buzz on the street is let's talk. Okay, dramatic workforce and business changes. You know what they are. We've got multiple generations, some say five, working virtually and really side by side in the workforce today, generation upon generation. We have gender inequity. Time to address that one. We have developing economies all over the world. Globalization is expanding. Markets are changing. All of that means it's time for the role of the CHRO to evolve. Now, in the debut episode of this series, two weeks ago in this time slot, Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, we talked about the fact that the CHRO is now kind of sort of welcome at the C-suite table with the big kids, but the CHR isn't always ready. So that was another conversation. Now we're assuming the CHRO is ready to go, but how will all this happen? So CHROs need to think beyond traditional transactional contributions. What does this mean? Number one, start building transformational value-based relationships with all of HR to support the business. That's a foundation. Number two, engage permanent and external workers in new ways of collaborating. That's right. You've got workforces inside, outside, all around the town, all around the world. Number three, use consumer-style tools in social HR. It exists. It's real. It's good stuff. Learn how. Number four, you've got to help management Think, plan, design, implement, and improve business strategies for better outcomes. That's a very tall order. Where in the world should the CHRO start? That's why we have a great panel today. The experts speak. Let me just tell you quickly who's on the panel, and then we'll start introducing them. We're going to be welcoming Tim Good, Managing Director in Accenture Strategy and leaders, Leader of Accenture's Talent and Organization Practice in EALA. We're going to be welcoming Dan Ward author of The Simplicity Cycle, A Field Guide to Making Things Better Without Making Them Worse, and F-I-R-E, How Fast, Inexpensive, Restrained, and Elegant Methods Ignite Innovation. Love that title. We're going to be welcoming Erica Vellini, the U.S. HR Transformation Leader in Deloitte Consulting, and shout out to our many friends at Deloitte. 
Rounding out the panel is SAP's own Bridget McInnes-Day. She is the Executive Vice President of Human Resources overseeing the Office of the CEO and Global Customer Operations at SAP. Now that I've told you about our stellar panel, let's get started with our opening quotes. Tim Good sent me the following quote from Bono in his TED blog. This goes all the way back to December 19, 2005. And Bono, in case you don't know, is the U2 frontman and founder of the anti-poverty organization One and a 2005 TED Prize winner. And one note from this talk, uh, Bono opened with, wow, well, as Alexander Graham Bell famously said on his first telephone call, hello, is that Domino's Pizza? But I digress. Here's the quote Tim Good has selected. What turns me on about the digital age, what excites me personally, is that you have closed the gap between dreaming and doing. That's from Bono. Tim Good, welcome to the show. How are you, Tim? I'm great, thank you. Good to be with you. Wonderful. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Bono? I don't know anybody who isn't, but are you a big fan? And why pick a quote from him from a TED Talk that seems so out of his normal musical element? Talk to me. I am a big fan. I've always been a big fan of you 2 and I should actually disclose to everyone that I studied music in my days before I got involved in business. So um, it wasn't rock music, I have to say, but um, <laughs> I think his contribution to the musical genre has been amazing. Um, I think what's really interesting about this one and what actually excites me about his quote is the fact he was talking here really about the digitalization of music. And we've given, in the music industry certainly, these amazing tools into people's hands so that things that you know, I learned to do probably over a 10-year cycle through my professional music studies and university studies, you can now do on the tablet with the right software in a matter of minutes. And you can create something that actually sounds not probably as good as a symphony or a full rock piece, but certainly uh, you know, halfway there. And I think when we start to look at that within the context of business, for me, it just summarizes where we're at. We're in a time of immense, possibly the greatest ever uh, time of change that we've gone through. And I think that has profound implications for organizations and for the people leaders in those organizations, especially the chief HR officers. Tim, let me ask you one question before we move on to our next panelist and their opening quote. Do you think that what we're talking about today, and I referenced the debut show last week, two weeks ago, with uh, Dr. Patricia Fletcher from SAP, who is the sponsor of this wonderful new series, do you think that what we're talking about, Tim, is breaking news for the chief HR financial officer, chief, chief HR officer? Do you think that they know they have to make these changes? They know that the time has come to step up, move up, embrace more of a business strategy. What's your, your point of view or your vision from the where you are at Accenture? Yeah, so I think the, the vast majority have, have woken up to this. I mean, I think um, as ever, it's different in, in some different markets, but digital is so pervasive that, you know, if you look around the world, um, it, it's impossible to hide. And I think because of that, um, HR, uh, chief HR officers have woken up to this. I think what's more of a struggle, and I'm sure we get onto this later on, is actually how do you make the most of that digital world? How do you actually unlock all of that capability in the people within your organization? Thank you very much, Tim. Very good introduction to our topic. Pleasure to meet you. And now let's move on to our second panelist. He is Dan Ward, the author with the very clever book titles. And Dan has sent us a quote from G.K. Chesterton from The Moral of Stevenson, G.K. Chesterton Collected Works, Volume 18. That's a lot of volumes. But let me just tell everybody who G.K. is. It's Gilbert Keith Chesterton, KCSG. He lived from 1874 to 1936. He was an English writer, poet, 
philosopher, dramatist, journalist, orator, lay theologian, biographer, and literary and art critic. He's often referred to as the Prince of Paradox. I'm going to stop right there. Otherwise, I think we'll take up the whole show talking about this man. And here is the quote Dana selected. Men rush toward complexity, but they yearn for simplicity. Dan Ward, welcome. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, we're delighted. So talk to me. You're a big fan of G.K. Chesterton? I'm a huge fan. I can't say I've read all 18 volumes, but we certainly could spend the whole show just talking about him. He had something to say about almost every topic. So tell me, how did you pick that quote for today? We're talking about the CHRO. This is a term that didn't even exist when Chesterton was alive. He passed away in 1936. So what would he say if he knew you were using this wonderful, very, very interesting and very concise quote, which is yearning for simplicity? That's what he's embodying in this quote to talk about the CHRO. Dan? Oh, well, I'd like to think he'd be tickled by the idea. And like so many of his quotes, he just perfectly encompasses a really big truth, and that is, we have a complicated relationship with simplicity. Uh, so I think it's so fascinating that our philosophers and our poets, our, our spiritual leaders, and our user interface designers, unanimously, all of them universally hold up simplicity as a desirable thing, something to be cultivated and pursued and, and uh, provided in the things we make and, and use and design. But despite that consensus, our natural inclination so often tends towards complexity, to making things more complicated even than they need to be. So in my writing and in my work, uh, I try to help people deal with that fact, uh, that we, we hold up simplicity as an ideal, but we nevertheless have a ravenous appetite for complexity. And just being aware of, of that paradox and then figuring out ways to, to deal with that and to make better decisions uh, in that space uh, is, is really what I, what I like about his, his particular quote. Thank you, Dan. And, and in my opening, which was a little more lengthy than usual, but we had so much to talk about what the CHRO needs to do, building value-based relationships that are transformational, not transactional, engaging all workers in new ways of collaborating, on and on. Do you think if a CHRO is listening to this show, and I know many of them are around the world today, you think they'd say, damn, there's a lot of complexity in there? Or do you think they'd say, oh, that's simple. I can just simplify it and make it all happen. What do you think their response would be to his quote in this context? Yeah, so I'm an engineer, but I've quickly discovered as I got into working in this space that engineers aren't the only ones who deal with complexity. Dentists deal with it. HR professionals deal with it. Lawyers deal with it. So I think it really is something universal, which, again, Chesterton is just brilliant at coming up with these universal truths often stated in paradoxes. And yeah, clearly, uh, the HR folks have a lot of complexity to deal with, and well, a lot of what I try to do is, is help them deal with it. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on. And now let's turn to our third panelist waiting patiently. She is Erica Volini, V-O-L-I-N-I, U.S. HR Transformation Leader in Deloitte Consulting. And Erica has selected a quote from William Arthur Ward, who lived from 1921 to 1994. Nice long life there. And he's one of America's most quoted writers of inspirational maxims. Just a little background, Ward wrote more than 100 articles, poems, and meditations that were published in such magazines as the Reader's Digest, if anybody's old enough to remember that. I think it's still around. This week, The Upper Room, Together, The Christian Advocate, The Adult Student, The Adult Teacher, The Phi Delta Kappen, Science of Mind, Sunshine and Ideals, and his column, Pertinent Proverbs, has been featured in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, etc., etc. Here is the quote Erica has selected. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, 
The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. Beautiful quote. Erica, welcome. How are you? Thanks. Doing well. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me. Interesting quote. I had never heard of William Arthur Ward, and glad I have. So how come you picked this interesting quote for our topic about CHROs and a new conversation today? I picked it for one reason only, and that's the word inspiration, because I think that HR really has an opportunity to do something different than it's ever done before, um, given all the disruption that's happening. I think the objective is way more than having a seat at the table. It's uh, much greater than having a, a, a strategic impact on the business. I truly think the opportunity is for HR to take the lead, and the CHRO has to be in front of that opportunity, really as the leader of the organization. And the bold CHROs we're seeing right now are the ones who are standing up and saying, I see where we need to go as a business, and I am going to be a role model for where the business needs to go, and I am going to truly inspire them to get there. And um, there's nothing that, to me that's more exciting than that because it is a real opportunity for CHROs to take on a role that many have not had the opportunity to do before. Thank you, Erica. Very, very interesting. How do you think the CHRO you're addressing, you talked about the bold CHRO, do you think they would see the, are they yearning for simplicity, but do you think they see this new transformational process as complex or do you think they can see the light at the end of that tunnel? What's your observation? Um, you know, I think, you know, in a way there almost isn't a tunnel because there's no start and stop anymore in the world we're living in, right? The one thing about this world of disruption is that we're continuously evolving, we're continuously innovating. So I don't think it's about being simple or complex. I think it's being adaptable and nimble and flexible to be able to constantly evolve. And I think CHROs are excited about the opportunity. I just think it's do we have the right team, the right capabilities, do we have the right support? Do we have the right infrastructure to be able to go and do it? But if you have all of that in place, I think a bold CHRO stands up and says, I can take the lead, and I can take the lead on behalf of the whole organization, not just for HR. Thank you very much. That's an inspiring way of looking at it, Erica. Thank you so much, and pleasure to have you on board. You you are one of a long line of Deloitte thought leaders who have joined us on various Game Changers radio shows, so thank you for coming on with us today. And now let me introduce our fourth panelist. I believe she's been on Game Changers before at least once. She's Bridget McInnes-Day, Executive VP of Human Resources at SAP. And Bridget has selected a wonderful quote, an iconic quote from the late Margaret Thatcher. So many letters after Margaret Thatcher's name, I can't even begin to say them, but she was a British stateswoman and politician who was the Prime Minister of the UK from 1979 to 1990 and the leader of the UK Conservative Party from 1975 to 1990. Here are a a couple of interesting stats. Margaret Thatcher was the longest serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century and the first and to date the only woman to have held the office and she was dubbed by a Soviet journalist as the Iron Lady because she was uncompromising in her politics and her leadership style. I think we're going to have to use that word in the conversation. Here's the quote, Bridget has very aptly selected. Don't follow the crowd. Let the crowd follow you. Bridget McInnes-Day, welcome back to Game Changers. How have you been, Bridget? Good. How are you, Bonnie? Wonderful. Nice to have you on the show. Tell me, you big follower or fan of Margaret Thatcher? I love the quote. Uh, Really, honestly, she has an inspiring background, but I think the quote is one of the areas that defines a lot of how I like to see HR. 
Um, and one of the things we talk about, the, the conversation changing for the CHRO, in addition to what everybody else has said, is we've got to move away from having a feeling or an opinion to having some clear facts to drive either strategy and or business decisions. Um, I did a quick search this morning. I looked out on some of the uh, different job sites because I've gotten a feeling lately that there's a lot of turnover in the CHRO positions, either whether the customers we support or the people I know out there. And it, I saw over 500 CHRO jobs on every single site, and one had over 2,000 senior HR jobs that are open. So there's definitely a lot of change going on, and I think wow. this topic today really looks at how the businesses are asking for something different, and it's time to change. Wow, that's a lot of jobs, Bridget. I know. That's, my like, goodness, that we could do a you know a call Patty Fletcher right now and tell her we're not going to talk about the challenge. We're going to talk about how do you get one of those jobs and what does your resume need to look like. That's is that good news or bad news, Bridget? Does that mean that people who held a position are no longer in a position to do it? Does it mean people are fleeing? They're le- the the rats no. are leaving the ship. What do you think? I, you know, just because I looked this morning, I haven't digested it, but my quick reactions, I'll be honest, is, wow, that's a lot. And I started to see some, some changes out there. I'm starting to see some patterns. I thought, let me get bigger data to see if it makes sense. I think one thing is CHROs are deselecting companies or management teams that aren't going to be able to have that more strategic transfer of HR topics or people focus and or business leaders and CEOs are realizing if you don't have a really strong leader in HR and a department, it can erode your business. So I think the smartness is coming out on both ends. Wow. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Good panel, good opening, and now it's time for me to give you all a break before we go to break. Tim Good, you're up first. Love to know where are you calling from, what time of the day or afternoon or evening is it? What's in your cup today, Tim? We'd love to know a little bit about you. What do you love to drink? And if it's not in your cup right now, what are you planning on drinking after the show? Tim Good. Hello, everyone. Again, it's Tim here. So I'm calling in from Germany this evening, and uh, it's just coming up about quarter past the hour, um, 8 p.m. at night. So I'm probably at the different end of the day to some of you, unless you're uh, listening on the World Wide Web, in which case you could be in any time zone. I've actually got sitting in front of me here a local drink called uh, an Apfelsaft Schorle. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, and uh, apologies for my German, I'm originally from the U.K. It's actually just apple juice and uh, carbonated water. There's no alcohol in it, I promise. Um, why do I like it? Um, it's refreshing. It's got that natural mixture of sugar, um, plus, um, you know, bubbles at this time of night, and a bit of water is always good for the hydration. So um, hopefully that's going to keep my voice operating and uh, keep my brain working over the next uh, part of the show. We have no doubt your voice will be working and your brain will be working along with it, Tim. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us. That sounds like a bubbly thing to drink. Let's talk to Dan Ward. Where are you and what drink is thou, Mr. Ward? Hey, so I'm normally based out of Boston, but I'm in Washington, D.C. at the moment uh, doing some work down here at the National Academy of uh, Sciences. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a distance runner and a conference speaker, so hydration is super important to me. It, it affects my physical and my mental performance, so I'm drinking water. I'm a simple guy and uh, tend to drink a lot of water. I'm with you, kid. I'm not a simple girl, but I tend to drink water, too. I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Thank you very much. Erica Volini, where are you and what are you drinking? What are you planning to drink? Well, that's interesting. I'm actually in Boston, um, where I, I am not normally. I'm actually out of New York, but usually traveling across the United States to all my clients. Um, I would say six months ago, I would have been drinking a venti non-fat caramel macchiato from Starbucks, but um, I have I have just quit those. Um, I'm actually not a coffee drinker, believe it or not. 
Um, but I loved that drink because it masked the flavor of coffee and had a lot of sugar, um, which I've now decided is not good for me. So I am also drinking water right now. Um, this is part of my detox off of the caramel macchiatos and uh, pretty much what I try to drink this point forward. You are very brave. I admire you. Giving up the sugar is just, I don't know, that, that seems the hardest part of all I've tried. Let me know what your <laughs> method is if it works, Erica. Thank you very much. And Bridget McInnes Day, where are you calling from and what are you drinking today or later, Bridget? I'm calling here uh, from our Newtown Square headquarters in Pennsylvania. And uh, I'm drinking Earl Grey tea with milk and honey as usual. But I'll tell you, Erica, I love the caramel macchiatos. <laughs> They're very addictive. I bet they are. I have to try one. Well, all of you uh, don't know me too well. I'm only allowed, Bridget, this is a reference, (laughs) SAP. I'm I'm only allowed, this is a self-imposed, but I've been with SAP six years and I know, I'm only allowed to have water on radio show days. And this is our second live show today. We did one this morning, Internet of Things with Game Changers at 10 a.m. And here we are at 2 p.m. with another show. So I'm only safe if I'm not anywhere near either caffeine or decaf, which is mocking and pretending that there's no caffeine, give me a break. So I might have a coffee later, but for right now, just cool, clear water in a cool, clear glass with a green straw because we're all about, oh, let's just say the word profitability here. That's what the businesses in the world are trying to do. And that's why we're talking about the new role of the CHRO becoming part of the business strategy in so many important ways. We have a great panel today. We have a full house, Tim Good from Accenture, Dan Ward from Dan Ward, offer of the Simplicity Cycle, Erica Valini at Deloitte Consulting, and Bridget McInnes Day at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break and to take a cool, clear sip of water now. So we'll be right back, and Tim is going to help us start the roundtable. Our topic, CHROs. Time for a new conversation? We agree. The answer is yes. Let's talk. So to our engineer, Justin Out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. 
Here we go. And by the way, just a shout out to Dr. Patricia Fletcher, Patty Fletcher, to those of us who know her well at SAP. She's tweeting her heart out here, and we are going to ask Patty to start using the hashtag, hashtag SAP Radio. So we see all of them. She says she's listening to SAP Radio. Agreed. The data about, this is for you, Bridget, the data about open jobs represents an incredible challenge and opportunity for the CHRO. Patty is tweeting alongside of me. So let's get started on our roundtable. And Tim Good, we're going to kick off this part of the show with a topic from your list. You say digital is about cold efficiency and doing away with the human touch, right? And then you add, this is a view often portrayed by the media, but it's wrong. Let's put this in context with our conversation about the CHRO conversation. Go ahead, Tim. Let's start, please. Yeah, so I think often the view out there when it comes to digital is that this is all about the machines taking over and us losing human touch. But actually, I think when we look at this within the workplace and when we relate it to what's going on fundamentally in organizations, is that actually digital gives us this great power to connect this future of work where we're not anonymous anymore, but actually we can have relationships, uh, not just with the people who necessarily sit in the same office, but with literally anyone around the world. And I think if you take a positive view about what digital can do, um, it's actually this notion that by looking at that and by looking at these new um, things that are going on, these new connections, these new networks that are being built, these new tools that are helping us collaborate, then we get into a profoundly different place. And the CEO, or the sorry, the CHRO in the future has really got a role to play starting now to help people respond to that and to lead on this in the, uh, in the new world. Thank you very much, Tim. Let's get Dan Ward's POV on this. What do you think? Digital, human touch, where, is it, where do we sit on this? Uh, I agree with them. I think, uh, you know, when we talk about dealing with people, it really is ultimately about people. And if we use our digital tools well, we use them smartly in the way they're intended to be using, it helps us establish that human connection in a way that the the non-digital age prior to us um, wasn't able to do. So I, I look at this as opportunities to connect even better and more deeply and more meaningfully with the people involved. Very interesting. Connecting more meaningfully. Can you just expand that a little bit, Dan? Uh, you know, I think digital gives you a chance to have a, a depth of connection where, you know, there's you're learning and, and sharing things about each other, uh, you know, even within that CRHO uh, structure. You're learning things about the people involved that you wouldn't have found in a, in a different time, you know, prior to the, the advent of, of a lot of these digital tools. Thank you very much. Erica Vellini, Deloitte, let's get your POV on this. Agree, disagree? You want to expand it? Sort of agree, sort of disagree. Um, oh, good. I think digital... <laughs> I think mm. digital could be about cold efficiency in its limited definition. When, when CHROs and HR organizations define digital as social, mobile, analytics, and cloud, I think that's exactly what it is. It comes across as technology and technology only that's not connected to the people, to the process, or to the experience. But I think what CHROs have to do is take a step back and say, what digital really should be is an enabler of this new employee experience they're trying to create and that's how you move it from cold efficiency to really being part of that human touch and making an impact on your employees that makes them have better engagement with your organization as a whole. And going back to what we said earlier, that's how HR is going to stand up and really start to take the lead. So to me, it could be either, and it really depends on how the CHRO takes advantage of it. Thank you very much. Before we go back to Tim Good, of course, we have to get Bridget McInnes-Day's POV. Bridget, what do you think? A lot of conversation around this, how cold really is digital or not? 
Sure. I think it's cold if you don't put the personalization around it. If you think about consumerism and digitalization, people want to make it feel like it's for them. So how we design technology, the structure, the support, it still has to feel personalized as best you can. So I think as long as it's personalized yet automated so you can scale and drive efficiencies, that's the key. Um, and you can have quite a bit of touch and that you can be connected and you can have people in the organizations you work with all the time. You may never physically see them, but you feel connected all the time because you're on instant message, chats, text, email, and you're constantly connected. So I think that's the difference in terms of how you define what that personal touch looks like. Thank you. Tim, good. You certainly started a good conversation here. You want to wrap this one up? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot of what we talked about actually. I mean, there is really an excitement here, and I would agree with um, with a number of the guests in the panel as well. But when I, when when digital is just reduced to being a discussion around tools, and when the future of work just becomes a discussion around technology for technology's sake, then I think it loses the excitement. And I, I almost go full circle back to the. The, the, the quote right at the start, you know, when you, when you just look at the tool that generates music, um, it doesn't really generate something that sounds like uh, Mozart or Bach or U2 for that matter. Um, but when you actually, you know, interpret that, make connections with it, um, play with it, create with it, innovate with it, um, then it gives you something um, that really is exciting. And I think that's exactly the passion that we're trying to find in organizations in the future as well. Thank you very much. Dan Ward, I'm looking at your notes, so many interesting places to go. I'm going to give you a choice. We can talk about simplicity is not the point, making things better is the goal. Or we can talk about teams that value speed, thrift, and simplicity tend to outperform teams that don't. What's your preference, Dan Ward? Oh, so let's go with the first one. The simplicity is not the point. Good. Okay. Let me just read a little bit. Then you say making things better is the goal. Making them simpler is sometimes, but not always, the key to improvement. In a lot of situations, we actually need to make things more complicated. That's a surprise coming out of your mouth. Dan Ward, tell us more. You know, I think where a lot of uh, simplicity advocates and simplicity gurus go wrong is when they overvalue simplicity. They kind of overstate their case. You know, I think a lot of times simplicity can be perceived as cold or sterile or inadequate and sort of similar to what Tim was saying about digital. You know, if we use it wrong or if we use it badly, if we do simplicity sort of for simplicity's sake, we end up with something that is, is really inadequate to our needs. And so there's a, a great value and, and depth of having the complexity of relationships and complexity of communications. And, and so if all we do is set out to simplify things always all the time, I think we're heading down the wrong path. We're really better off having a, a more nuanced appreciation for the value of, of complexity in its place. But the key is to avoid unnecessary complexity, the complexity that overwhelms value and complexity that just gets in the way of getting the job done. So, Dan, before I invite Erica and Bridget and then Tim to comment on this question for you, does the CHRO, let, let's look at Bridget's comment. There are one job site, there are 2,000, my goodness, 2,000 opportunities for CHROs. Do you think they see that better is the goal and try not to make it complex? Do you think they're going into these new jobs with that in mind, or do you think they're saying, OMG, boy, do I have my work cut out for me? Where do you think their heads are right now? You know, I've seen a whole spectrum of opinions on this. I've seen some people who really, uh, one person who actually said, I fear simplicity. I'm not interested in simplicity at all. All he wanted was to make things more complicated, which I thought was an interesting perspective. And then on the other hand, you get people who just want to simplify all the things all the time. And, and again, I think the idea is to have a, 
a more nuanced uh, appreciation of, of both simplicity and complexity. Thank you very much. Very provocative. Let's invite Erica Valini at Deloitte Consulting to chime in. Erica, what do you think? I totally agree. I do not think simplicity is the point. And I actually just had this conversation with an HR leadership team this morning. We were talking about the fact that in the new world of HR, HR leaders are trying to move from this heavily customized environment to this standard environment. And moving to a standard environment actually takes us further away uh, from the goal of HR being business aligned because it's hard to say to a business leader, what we're going to do is we're going to now standardize everything, basically assuming that everything is the same across businesses, which simply isn't true. I think it really comes down to not standardization, but personalization. Thinking about those moments that matter and where you need to personalize, where you may need to inject um, a bit more complexity, um, as we were saying, to create a better experience but not creating complexity for complexity's sake and not making it simple just so you can have standardization and create efficiency because that moves you further away from what the business actually needs. And ultimately, a bold CHRO is the one that's lined up as close to the business as possible. They can't get there if all they talk about is standard and simple. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Okay, and now let's invite uh, Bridget. Comments? Bridget McGinnis Day? Yeah, no, it's great. I think... Erica hit it spot on as well in terms of the you can go too global, too high KPIs, and too standard. Now, there's a place and you want efficiency, but you want to put efficiency in the areas where there's lower, lots of transaction where it's not going to be beneficial for someone to spend their time on it. Rather, making sure that those you don't replace the human touch but also the business need. You can get too far away, I think Erica might have said this, from the business, the business need. And when you feel your KPIs look great, really global, strong, get the feedback, something different, that's the perfect indication to tell you you've missed the mark, you've gone too standard, and now really where the focus should be is the actual execution needs to be simple. And the input needs to be simple, but how you drive that and making sure it's personalized and business-oriented is the complexity. And that's the hard part, and I think that's what sometimes people want to step away from because there's the challenge, but at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. Thank you. Very interesting. I'm going to circle around. Sitting next to Bridget, of course, is Tim Good at Accenture. Tim, love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, so I've got a couple of views on this. I think, firstly, the simplicity one's really interesting because, actually, for me, I think simplicity is really hard. Um, but when it actually happens, it's beautiful. And the reason I say that is, you know, there's that phrase out there, if you think, um, and I, I forget um, who's quoted, and it's often misquoted, but, you know, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one. And there's mm-hmm. something in, in simplicity that I always come back to with that. And if you look at any of the great innovations that have happened um, over all of the centuries, it's taken huge amounts of work to actually get to that simplicity. And I think that's something that we can all relate to when we're dealing with people topics and when we're dealing with, uh, with HR and organizations. I think the second thing I would say, just reflecting on the, the latter part of the discussion, is that one of the things that, that I, I really do agree um, with, with, with the rest of the panelists on is that within HR and within the role of sort of the chief HR officer in the future, we've got to get back to talking in 
language that our clients understand. And we've got to lose these HR terms. You know, when we're born, we don't start talking about recruiting and org management and data management. You know, we talk about life events. We get excited about them. And that's the, the conversation that we've got to get back into the workplace. Very interesting. We've just hit on a change to vocabulary. How many HR people do you think would accept that that mandate or that guidance from you, Tim, giving up those wonderful mantras and buzzwords and abbreviations and alphabet soup? What do you think? How would that be met across the board? I, I think I think the leaders are actually uh, are getting it, and I think they're getting it because actually it resonates with their people. And I think what it does is, you know, we, we started with this with the notion of um, – you know, HR getting its seat back at the executive table. And I think this takes HR, you know, almost beyond that. And it takes HR back into the heart of the conversation because you start dealing with real life events, real business events, as opposed to looking at everything through the lens and the categorization that we have traditionally used as HR professionals and as a HR function. Thank you very much. Dan Ward, I think you started this one on our keyword in this part of the conversation, simplicity. Why don't you comment on what your co-panelists have shared? Any comments, thoughts, feedback? Yeah, so Tim says something that I think dovetailed so perfectly with, with uh, Erica's comment earlier. When, when Tim said simplicity is hard and beautiful, uh, I think that, that's a great way to describe it. Simplicity is very difficult to achieve. Um, but when we say simplicity is both hard and beautiful when you get it done, and then we look at standardization, standardization is neither hard nor beautiful. It ends up being a, a cheap and ugly way to try and get the job done in the name of simplicity, but it's the wrong kind of, of simplicity. It's not that nuanced, elegant, beautiful type of simplicity that is the result of, of real skill and talent and, and effort. Uh, so, yeah, I agree completely. Simplicity can be very challenging, and when you get there, it's really beautiful. Standardization is oftentimes just the, the wrong kind of simplicity. Personalization. If you get a, a good, elegant, simple type of personalization, that fits the definition of, of both difficult uh, and beautiful. Thank you. That was delightful. Very interesting. The idea of elegant, uh, we don't often hear that word in business, and I think it's missing from too many conversations. Thank you. Erica Valini, you're up next. I'm looking at your comments you sent me before the show, and here's a new term I don't think anybody has mentioned yet in this part of the conversation. You say HR increasingly must adopt design thinking and apply it to the work experience for all employees. If that's not provocative, I don't know what is. Erica, I never hear design thinking in the same conversation with HR or human resources or human capital management or CHRO. Talk to me. This is interesting. Oh, I actually don't think there should be a conversation in HR without talking about design thinking. Um, what design thinking really is, and it's such a great opportunity for HR, it's the ability to rethink the end-to-end process that exists today from an employee experience standpoint. What does the employee want? What's most important to them? How do you reconstruct the process so that it makes sense to them? How do you apply digital, as we've been, been discussing, how do you apply all this digital technology to it? And then how do you apply analytics to it so you can actually measure the outcomes and the impact? That's really what design thinking is about. And as you think about some of the processes in HR, you know, think about onboarding process, right? All of us have probably gone through that in one organization or the other. It's usually complex, um, lots of steps involved, lots of paper forms, doesn't really make sense. You're asking a lot of questions. That's the classic example of where design thinking can be applied. How can you reimagine that process 
so that you're collecting information through technology um, up front before the employee starts? And how can you allow them to collaborate with other individuals so they can really hit the ground running on day one and maximize their productivity to the organization? That's what design thinking is about. I would challenge HR and any CHRO, is there a process that exists today that can't benefit from using design thinking to make it better and much more impactful to the employee and to the organization as a whole? Thank you, Erica. Very, very interesting. Bridget McGinnis Day at SAP, love to have your thoughts on this one. Is this new to you or are you using this already in your work at HR? Uh, so definitely for SAP, that's a big area for design thinking, especially from our one of our founders with Hasso. So um, something that's been been used for for many years for us. I think uh, yes, design thinking can be very impactful, um, and I think it's what's important is it brings out with in people better ideas, better solutions. Uh, and I think what's interesting and what HR should think of when they do this though is bring in business leaders into these topics, other types of business leaders besides HR, because if you just do it within HR, you're going to get the same thinking most of the time. And I would uh, urge people to bring in people who actually use and consume the services so that the design thinking is more robust and you really push the boundaries. And sometimes I bet you HR teams might not like that. So I would say that you've got to open it up um, to many different constituents before you're going to get a good outcome, especially when you approach design thinking for HR. Thank you. Tim Good, let's keep this going. Love to hear your thoughts. Please, design thinking and HR, are they are the marriage made in heaven or a good engagement? I believe it's a, it's a great engagement as well. So I, I love the, the innovation coming out of design thinking, and there's probably not um, uh, you know, a leading organization that I'm working with today that's not starting to think along these terms. And I think it comes back to a lot of what um, you know, Erica said and Dan said and, and Bridget said as well which is it is about this personalization. But I think as well it is important. I just love what Bridget said. Do you actually get the right people in the room too? So you, you can actually have a design thinking session that goes wrong because you have the wrong people in. And I'm always struck by a, an experience I had many, many years ago in a totally different context at the outset of my career. And it wasn't a design thinking workshop, but it was a traditional workshop. And we were looking at how stakeholders interacted with a, um, a particular contact center environment. And um, all of the discussions we'd had were actually with the younger element of the workforce. And we realized that in the case of the client's core business, um, the, the, the actual core customer group was at the older end of the spectrum. And we had this fundamental design flaw in everything, which is that we relied on people having a touch-tone phone. But actually, that segment of the population, and this was back in the UK when I first started my career about 16, 17 years ago, um, they didn't have touchstone phones. They still had those old phones, if you can remember them, where you had to dial. And if you had someone's number that had lots of zeros or nines in it, it could take you, you know, five minutes to actually get through the number. And so we built a process because we had the wrong people in the room that simply didn't live up to what it was supposed to do. So getting that right in audience and infusing that with design thinking is, I think, where you've got to go on this. Thank you. Dan Ward, join the party. What do you think? Hey, I'm a huge fan of design thinking, and in fact, uh, one of the principles in my first book is that none of us, whether we're an engineer or a writer or an HR professional, none of us can design anything without revealing our values. So if we value simplicity, we will do the hard work of simplifying the things we design and make and use. If we, design, if we value convenience or efficiency, these, these values will shape our designs. And so design thinking helps bring this concept to the forefront 
right where it belongs so that we can have these conversations about what are our values, uh, how should they drive our designs, or in reverse, what do our designs reveal about our values, and maybe we should reexamine or reassess uh, what our values actually are and what they should be. What a thought. Thank you very much. Erica, very interesting conversation around your statement. Uh, you have Anything you want to wrap up before I move on to some notes from Bridget? Well, I think, I think it says everything that uh, Bridget, Dan, and Tim all fundamentally agree with design thinking in HR. And I think for any CHRO or HR leader, HR professional listening, it's, you know, this is really the opportunity um, that's right in front of HR right now. Um, to, to take all the trends that are out there in, in the workplace, from digital to employee experience, um, and bring those to the forefront by really reimagining those processes that matter, um, in those moments that matter uh, to your employees. So um, I, I completely agree with all the comments made. And I love, Bridget, your idea about getting the business in the room. I also think part of it is excluding everyone from HR in the room also. right? Mm-hmm. I just had a client say, I want to relook at our recruiting process, but I'm only going to invite one person from our talent acquisition team to be in the room as we're doing it. And I think that goes with what you're saying, which is let's bring new voices and new thinking in um, so we can really challenge the way it's done today. Thank you very much, Erica. Great topic. And Bridget, tag, you're it. And Bridget, I think you've written in your notes to me, I think you wrote a little handbook for HR, for the new CHRO. Bridget, allow me to read a couple of these points because together I think they're, it's a playbook. Is that okay with you if I read a few and then sure. we can talk? Okay. Bridget says to HR, come up with solutions before you know there's a problem, meaning HR must be predictive. Then she adds, HR without analytics is just a person with an opinion. OMG, how beautiful is that? Then she says, run HR as a business, not a support function. And the last one I'll read is, thought leadership content will be generated from crowdsourcing on social media. Bridget, this is a playbook. Did you publish it yet? <laughs> this is good stuff. Working so, on it now, right? <laughs> I, well, you know, self-publishing POD in 20 minutes, we expect to get the download of your ebook. We're all going to read it. It's going to be a bestseller. Bridget, what, which one would you, you want to tackle all of them quickly so we can get everybody else in on this? Or is there any one you'd like the best? We're, we're running out of time, but I want to give you time. Yeah, I can. we can thread them together, but I think there's some interesting quotes I could add that 70% of the heads of HR are spending more time participating in business projects in a leadership capacity, according to the Corporate Executive Board 2016 trends. I think that says it all and pulls all those things together and think about how do we uh, spend less time being so internally focused and looking externally. So when we talk about our structure in HR, we talk about the classic centers of expertise, our HR business partners, and I really think that there's less and less resources for all of us in the future. And um, I, the point is really how do we deliver and run with the business and do that in a way that continues to, to be all the things we said today, simple, personalized, digital, um, and be able to really think about how we leverage the, the social media. I heard that as well. So things mm-hmm. like why do we need sometimes COEs if we could crowdsource cool ideas on how we do leadership or talent or some of the future things so you, we can even get knowledge out there, right, right at our fingertips by leveraging crowdsourcing and the intellect that's out there and all of those great social media sites that we have. So I'm just urging people to think differently of how we solve the problems and break out of just the the norm of how we think because we've got to adapt faster 
things are changing faster than we can even build them. And that's one of the areas where I would urge our CHROs to think. And I think someone said step back, reflect, and think about how do we get it done in the best way, regardless of how things have been built in the past. Thank you, so Bridget. To, and I'm going to ask open you. Open to the rest. I just want you to focus on one thing here, crowdsourcing, uh, generation, generating thought leadership content, crowdsourcing. Would you advise CHROs, anybody in the HR organization, to do this on a forum on LinkedIn as an example where it's pretty much a closed room with invitation only, or just where would you advise this crowdsourcing of content? It's a good question. I think a couple of things. I would test it out, right? Take take something that's a little safer, easier that you could put out there. Test it within one of those um, closed groups that you um, highly know and respect. Put it out there and see what you get. And then I think that some bigger bigger ideas that are just more that would reach out beyond that group. Put it out to everybody and see what you get because of the fact that, like the design thinking. If you broaden your reach, you'll get such a variety of opinions. It'll give you completely different inputs that will probably bring out a better solution than you could have thought of in a closed group. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Tim Good, I want to get you in here. We're almost at the predictions round. We're actually there, but if everybody could just add one or two sentences, we're going to go to Tim and then Dan and then Erica, and then we will give you each about 45 seconds for predictions. Tim, thoughts on what Bridget just added, our playbook? Yeah, I, I, I love the statement. And I really like the one about bringing solutions rather than, you know, reacting to problems. And I think the stretch for all CHROs is actually to stop sort of this complaint about not being at the top table. And I, I always reflect on what someone once said to me. Um, I, I was sitting at a, um, with one of my former um, mentors and I said to him, you know, years ago, how do I become a partner uh, in my organization? And he just looked at me with this funny look and he said, Tim, be one. And I think I put that same stretch to HR. You know, if you want to seat at the top table, um, go and sit at the top table. You know, go and bring those solutions to the top table. Wow. If you want to seat at the top table, go and sit at the top table. I love that. Dan Ward, let's get your thoughts quickly on what Bridget added and shared. So I love the line about HR without analytics is just a person with an opinion. I think that's so true and so important to understand. Uh, I would put a little caveat on there that it's easy to make our analytics more complicated than they need to be. So we want to have a small, simple, elegant set of analytics that are really insightful and relevant to the problems we're trying to solve. And don't think that just by piling more and more data into our analytics that we're going to get a better result or that just you know one or two data points is going to do it either. We don't want to oversimplify that. Thank you very much. Erica, I have just a couple seconds for you, and then we're going to get a very quick prediction from everybody. Thoughts, Erica? I think crowdsourcing is everything. HR building a sense of community, both internally and externally, is critical for growth. So I think that's an incredibly important point. Thank you. Let's circle back to Tim Good. And Tim, I can give you, ooh, we're four minutes, four and a half minutes from the end. I'm going to give you 45 seconds for predictions. I still love the year 2020. It just sounds so cool, but it's almost here. So Tim Good, look into the crystal ball at Accenture. What do you see that will change about this conversation? It could be simple as we won't use the term CHRO anymore or HR or design thinking will be, I don't know, getting the, the ABs instead of the DTs. Dan Ward, you're up. 45 seconds. Go. Uh, so when Henry David Thoreau wrote about simplicity in the mid-1800s, it's because his world was so complicated. But things are much more complicated today than they were back in Thoreau's time. So my prediction is that simplicity has been a challenge for a long, long time. It will continue to be a challenge. Things will continue to get more complicated, and we will continue to have to deal with that. Thank you very much. Tim Good, are you back with us? Want to get your predictions? I'm back with you. The line just broke that. Um, I think we'll have stopped talking about digital. It'll just be a way of life. And for HR... 
Um, I actually kind of hope we have stopped talking about HR. We're talking about people again. And I'm going to come up with a phrase, elegant personalization. If we've got this right, then that's mm. what the people agenda will look like uh, in, uh, in 2020 or 2025. Wow, elegant personalization. We have to capture that one. Patty, we got to copyright that one. That's going to be the title of Tim Good's new book while Bridget's writing hers. Uh, Erica Vellini, Deloitte, 45 seconds. Oh, I give you a full minute because they work very quick. Predictions, please, Erica. <laughs> Go ahead. Very generous. Yeah, I think innovation is going to be everywhere. Um, I think we'll see a ton of automation. Um, you know, I agree with Tim. I think digital is going to be just a natural part of our world. I think the HR competencies in the future will be radically different. I think we will see HR will stop saying HR needs to be a seat at the table because they'll be there, they'll be embedded in the business, working on the business. I actually think we'll see a lot more rotations of HR and business professionals um, because it's going to be so necessary for HR to understand the business in depth, but for business to also understand HR and the people impacts so that they can actually maximize productivity and move the company forward. So I just see a continued emphasis and collaboration between business and HR, um, and I really see innovation challenging how everything HR works. I, For me, I see an HR world filled with virtual reality um, where you're able to, um, you know, use the latest technologies to engage with prospective and current um, employees and really up the game on the employee experience. Thank you, Erica. What was your prediction Focus, focal point, what's the date when HR will have that seat at the table? Any year you're thinking of? Oh, I think HR has a seat at the table now. I think that they need to have a, a voice at the table. And, and for me, you know, some HR organizations are there now. I think if they're not, they have to try to get there in the next one to two years. Otherwise, they're going to fall way far behind. All right, so I'm going to put in the predictions by 2018. We'll just leave that loose here there. Thank you very much. Bridget, I saved a full minute for you. Just shy of a minute. Predictions, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, mine is workforce analytics will explode. We're going to go from helpful insights to really pure business imperatives on strategy and decisions. Um, mo- most of our HR or CHRO colleagues have what I call HR superpowers. You can feel it. You know the pulse of the people. But now the workforce analytics is going to give you the facts. It's going to give you the business case, and it's going to help leverage you explode for the future. Thank you very much. I have to do a special shout-out to all of our panelists. You've all been tweeting while you're talking. This is good. That's like eating broccoli, chewing gum, walking downstairs and saying hello at the same time. I'm a big admirer. I've been tweeting while I'm talking to Tim Good at Accenture. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for your insights. Dan Ward, all the best. What's your next book going to be called, Dan? Got a title yet? Uh, I'm, titles are the hardest thing for me. I don't have a title for number three yet, but I'm working on it. We'll keep an eye out for that. Erica Vellini at Deloitte, please give a shout-out to, oh, we have Carla Neal and we have Amanda Bush and so many wonderful people, and Deloitte is always welcome on our shows, as is Accenture, of course. Bridget McInnes Day, lovely to connect with you again, and a shout-out to the woman who started this series with me, who sponsors it, Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP. It's time for me to give my call to action. So whatever seat at the table you're sitting at, and by the way, shout-out to Justin, our engineer at the Business Channel. Thank you for getting us on the air and keeping us there. Okay, here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I think the CHRO who are applying for those jobs, Bridget, they might need a seatbelt. It's going to be quite a ride. What are you waiting for? Go out and think about innovation, personalization, human touch, design thinking, all that good stuff. Get that seat at the table, claim it, and speak out. The bottom line, go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.